Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Wanted. I don't want a show of hands on this, but there are people in this room who have been wanted before by the authorities, and that's not the good kind of wanted, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Women may say, you know, or men, I guess, could say this, I don't want just to be wanted physically. I want you to want me as a person. You know, man, she, you know, he really wants you. Well, what does that mean? He wants your body. He may not want all of you, just that part of you. Some people feel unwanted, like nobody cares. It's a hard thing to not be wanted. Sometimes people who are adopted find out they're adopted and at some point in their life. They go, what was wrong with me? Why was I not wanted? Why was I turned over to some other family who had raised me and they wanted me, but my own flesh and blood didn't want me? So I'd like to start in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Big old long chapter, a bunch of stuff happens. One of the things is Jesus feeds a ton of people, five loaves, two fish, 12 basketfuls left over. And so they're like, wow, this guy's got game. Let's follow him. You know, we need bread. He can take a little bread, turn it into a lot of bread. He's the man. It's interesting how Jesus can feel very wanted when we want something. And he's got something we want. But when he's got something that he wants and we're not interested in that, now he's not feeling so wanted anymore. So in this passage, he gets into this conversation later, you know, you follow me for the bread kind of thing. And then he says, jump down in verse 50. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He starts talking about himself. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So now he's going to go, well, okay, what are you talking about? I'm going to give my body. We're going to barbecue Jesus. I mean, what is he talking about? The Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Well, that would make sense. If you ingest something, it is in you. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. So the manna in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, drops out of heaven. They ate it, and it gave them sustenance one day at a time and kept them alive, but they all died. But he says, what I'm talking about is you eat this kind of bread, in other words, him, then you live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, dude, this is a hard saying. Dude is not actually in the original. Um, 
Like, this is tough stuff. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? What is he talking about? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples, and these are the people following him, complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? If you're having trouble with this, wait till you see me ascend into heaven. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. In other words, you're taking this all literally. He says, I'm giving you spiritual truth. It's about having me in you, abiding me in you, you and me. But there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. And then one of the toughest verses for me in the whole Bible, and it's crazy that it's John 6, 66. It just turns out that way. And listen to what it says. So he teaches something, it's truth, it's tough stuff, they don't understand it completely, it's getting over their heads or something. And then it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And maybe somebody says, well, you know what? I think that's me. Maybe somebody not even in this room says, yeah, that's me. I wanted him in the past. I don't want him anymore. I'm not interested anymore. It got too hard. He asked for too much. Exactly what is it that he asked for? You say, well, he wants me to give up stuff. Let me tell you what he wants. He wants everything. He wants all of you. Completely, heart, mind, soul, body, spirit, mind, will, emotion. He wants everything you have. If you're a Christian, you are bought and paid for. You belong to him anyway. Turn yourself in. You're the wanted one and maybe not for good reasons, ultimately for good reasons. So if there's kind of a spiritual warrant out for your arrest, I highly recommend you turn yourself in. And from time to time, I talk to people, I sit down with people, and they go, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I'm just not there anymore. It's just too hard. I'm not getting what I pray for. I'm not getting what I want. He wants too much. He wants me to lay my whole life down and just trust him. I can't do that. Okay, so I get that. I've had questions and do along the way still. But here's the simple thing I'll say to you. This verse, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Where are you going to go? What was back there in the first place. If it was so great back there, why did you follow him at all for any period of time? And what changed about him? He said, well, dude, it's getting hard. He's asking for more and more and more. He wants everything. You say, well, what if it costs me my life? You don't have to be dead for it to have cost you your life. But if you lose your life for his sake, that's when you find it. That's when it starts making sense. So all of a sudden, there's a mob, and he throws out some truth, and we're out. They go back. Then Jesus said to the 12, and he's already mentioned one of the 12 a few verses up where he said, I even know which one will betray me. So he's talking to the 12, and this is what he says. Do you also want to go away? Now, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. This is the pack he picked. Permission. Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him. He pipes up. Simon Peter's full of words. He's the man. It just gets worse and worse for Simon Peter because he jumps in and says a bunch of stuff, and then he can't back it up with his life, but then he jumps in. You know, he's trying. But I love what Simon Peter says. Lord, to whom shall we go? Like, what are you talking about? 
they leave, we don't have anywhere to go. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up. I have nowhere to go. I get very frustrated with him. And I know my God sits on the throne and he sees horrific things that happen to children, to women, to men, to everybody. Things that go on that are unspeakable. And I get angry with him sometimes and I want to go shake him or something. Like, dude, what are you thinking up there? You can't be God and let this happen. And so no matter how upset I get and I don't understand and my brain is finite and I don't, my ways are not his ways clearly and my thoughts are not his thoughts and I don't get it, but I've got nowhere else to go. I can't find another Jesus. I can't find another religious anything that laid his life down for me. Nobody ever died for me but him. So it sucks to not have anywhere else to go sometimes because it doesn't always make sense. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Even if we lose our lives and we lay our lives down and we die with you or something, okay, great, but what about not here, but what about the hereafter? And they knew that he had what? The words of eternal life. He had the answers to that. He was the answer to that. He is eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We know who you are. We got nowhere else to go. We've waited for you forever. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you the 12 and one of you is a devil? Oh yeah, you say we got nowhere else to go? Well, one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him being one of the 12. Go to John chapter 11. I would almost read this whole thing, but I encourage you to go back and read it because I'm going to jump through it a little bit. But the basic story in John chapter 11 is Jesus had friends, and one of his friends was a guy named Lazarus who had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And he had gone to their house before, and Martha was busy working, and Mary sat down at his feet, did the right thing. So they have a relationship, and when he they live out in Bethany, I think it's a couple of miles out of Jerusalem, so kind of a suburb. There really weren't any suburbs, but kind of just out there a little bit. And so he'd go stay with them or eat with them. They were his friends. So Lazarus gets sick, and he's so sick he's going to die, and they send word to Jesus, you know, your friend Lazarus is sick. And he goes, okay, and says, let's stay here two days, and then we'll go check on Lazarus. Like, dude, he's going to be dead, and he died. So look down at what happens here. Well, let's just read it. Verse six. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you there. Are you going there again? Like they're trying to kill you. And this is kind of some of the beginnings of this. You're a wanted man. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Sometimes Jesus lets people die. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas, like there's always a Thomas in the pack. Oh, let's go and we'll just die with him. We're all going to die. 
So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times have I thought that? If only Jesus was here. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, Jesus is here. There ain't no, I wish Jesus was here. He's here right now. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not something, it's a person. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? It's a good question. Do you believe that? You need to believe that. He said, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you're in trouble. So she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. I don't see where that happened, but she went and said that. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, well, she's probably going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. What did she say? The same thing her sister said. Lord, you know, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And by the way, the groaning that goes on here is not, oh, he's sad. The word groaning means to snort with anger, to have indignation on, that is to blame, to sigh with chagrin, like are these people ever gonna get it? Sometimes you don't weep because you're sad, you weep because you're not sad, like oh, this is so sad this happened. You're sad because it's like there's no end to this. Keep reading. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. You say, well, he's weeping because his friend's dead. He's not weeping because his friend's dead. He's about to go raise him from the dead. He let him die on purpose so he could raise him from the dead. Why is he weeping? He weeps over us because we don't get it. Amen. Are you ever going to just believe and trust him? What does he have to do for you to believe him? How long does he have to take care of us? What does he have to do? He's been raised from the dead. Why would you not believe someone who literally gave his life, dies on a cross, buried, raised from the dead? That seems like someone you could trust. So he wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, come, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So see, well, he could have kept him from dying. Here's what you got to realize. Jesus is not just about opening blind eyes and healing sick people, he can let sick people die and raise them from the dead. Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was against it. Interesting, all the parallels in a few days is about to be him dead, another stone in front of it. This guy's been dead for four days, so Jesus already proven, you'll see in a minute, he can raise somebody who's been dead four days, so a three-day resurrection ought to be easy. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him, was dead, said to him, Lord, Lord. You know, that's where they go, Lord, Lord, by this time there's a stench. You know, Lord, what are you thinking? You know, <laughs> Lord, by this time there's a stench for he's been dead four days. Are you sure you want to go in there? You know, 
Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You know what? I have seen the glory of God, but I will see the glory of God because I will live forever. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know, you got to have some kind of game. You know, hard of hearing is one thing. If somebody's dead, they have a hard time hearing. Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him, like holy cow or holy Jesus or whatever they said. Wow. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? Well, what do you think you do? Figure out he's Jesus and go worship the guy. What shall we do? For this man works many signs. This guy's got game. Something's up. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. More worried about who they were, their respect, their position than figuring out this guy was the Messiah. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. What is that? Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. So this high priest is prophesying that Jesus would be the one that would die to save the whole nation, but not in the way you're thinking. And not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together and warn the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. There's a warrant out. He's a wanted man from that day forward. We got to figure out a way to stop this lunatic. He's stealing all our people. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus. They wanted him and spoke in a good way among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. If it were illegal to be a Christian, would you be a wanted man or woman? It's illegal. Would you be someone they'd come looking for? Because it is so clear, it is so obvious, you are so unashamed, you have taken a stand, no matter what it takes, arrest me. Or would you go, it's too expensive, I'm sure he'll forgive me. This is not some game. This is not some religious exercise. This will cost you your life. You say, well, thank God I don't have to live that way. I'm not a wanted person because it's not illegal. It doesn't have to be illegal for you to live like you're wanted. Read down just a few verses. I'm going to jump over some of this. I recommend going back and reading this. John chapter 12. Well, let's read verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then she takes out a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, which is like a year's salary. So whatever you make a year, then figure that, and this is what this thing costs. 
anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, well, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Why are we wasting this on Jesus? He said that, not that he cared for the poor, because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. So Judas didn't just betray Jesus. He was stealing from Jesus. He's a thief. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, so they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus." Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, but on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So now it's getting completely out of hand. They're acting like he's the king. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, and as it is written, he quotes the Old Testament, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, and that they had done these things to him. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem the way it was prophesied that Messiah would come. And all the time, these religious people are pushing back, pushing back, wanting him dead. Jump down a few verses in that chapter. Go down to verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. I don't need just a dead Jesus, I need a Jesus on a cross. You say, what's the big deal about the cross? It took a cross. It's not a murder, it's not that you shoot him in the head or hit him over the head with a rock and kill him. I need a sacrificed, crucified Jesus. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, we have heard from the law that this Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus said to them, a little longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. This wanted Savior, wanted by some in a good way, wanted by others to put him to death, 
It was not wanted dead or alive. It's wanted dead and alive. That's what we're after. I don't need him alive. I need him dead and then alive again. And then I'm safe. Then I'm covered. So if he's not backing down, he's the leader. Don't back down. Take up your cross daily. Follow him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow him. You say, where will that get me? It may get you death, but what a way to go. Obeying, trusting, following. Here's what I didn't know for a long, long time, that I was wanted. I knew my mom and dad loved me. I never could figure out. It didn't make sense to me that God loved me and that he emotionally even wanted me. And I remember where I was. I can see the room when it finally hit me that God loved me, that he wanted me, that when he died on the cross, it was me he wanted to reach. It was me he was after. I was part of that group, and I didn't have to be a stranger anymore. Now, whoever you are in this room or beyond, no matter how you feel, you need to know something. You can feel different. Jesus wants you. You are wanted. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.